Welcome to the podcast, Risk Intelligence, with your host, Karen Adamsbaum. She will be sharing her knowledge on common insurance questions, coverage explanations, claim scenarios, and interviews with brokers, clients, and colleagues to discuss various topics in the insurance industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of my podcast called Risk Intelligence. Today, what I am going to be um, doing is uh, having a conversation with two gentlemen that I met at a cannabis event. And before I start the dialogue with them, I want to let you know what I've been doing to get into the cannabis sector. So as you may have heard, uh, a lot of publicity out there that cannabis in New Jersey, we're trying to legalize it, uh, get more medical licenses, legalize it recreationally. And I have been invited to many events. And what I do is I go to those events, events as a risk manager. And I'm meeting a ton of people and I'm hearing a lot of panel discussions. And when I go to these events, I'm hearing, okay, you need to hook up with a great lawyer. You need to hook up with a great attorney. You need to be side by side with a great investor, but nobody is talking about risk manager. So here I am, and that's why I've been attending all of these events. I have gone to Philadelphia, I've gone to New York, um, and I'm just trying to get out there, get public, and meet a lot of people, as many as I can, so then when it does come out into the market, people know that there's a risk manager that can help them. So last, uh, about two Thursdays ago, I met a gentleman, Alex, at a cannabis event. And Alex is from a, a firm called Seed Staffing, and it's a staffing firm, uh, placing positions in the cannabis world. And Alex is here with his partner, Mike. And Mike um, and I met yesterday for the first time, and Alex, this is the third time that we're meeting. And I, I wanted to do a podcast with them because they're going to explain what, what is going on in the job sector when it comes to the cannabis industry. And first, I'd like to welcome Alex and Mike. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Sure. You're welcome. So one of the first questions I have is that we all know that when it comes to staffing, there are many positions out there. But And then I'm going to divide it up between the cannabis sector and the non-cannabis sector. So let's talk about the cannabis sector. Can you, Mike, describe some of the positions that are available in the cannabis sector of the industry? Absolutely. Yeah. So let me preface this by saying that Um, We serve the cannabis sector and all the ancillary businesses, but the ancillary businesses, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on kind of traditional cannabis, right? So you have the three verticals between dispensaries, um, processing facilities, and grow facilities. So any positions within those verticals is really our wheelhouse. So we're talking anything from a patient care advocate, which some people call a bud tender, Um, We do uh, assistant dispensary managers, dispensary managers, clinical directors, and those are all dispensary positions. And then, of course, in processing, you have extraction, you have lab techs, you have post-processing, and then all the way up to growers where you're doing trimmers and uh, cultivators, directors of cultivation, harvesting, 
all, all that kind of fun stuff that you know we still can't believe are real jobs. <laughs> do you what do you see the marketplace right now from a percentage standpoint? Is it growing? Is it a really low percentage for those job positions? And do you see it growing over the next six months? It the the growth is insane. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. I have another recruiting business, and that industry, year over year, in terms of job growth, is growing about 3%, which is good. You right. know, I mean, that's pretty good. The cannabis space, year over year, job growth is 220%. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, over the next wow. six months, there's going to be a lot more jobs coming up. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. It's really exciting. So when you're looking for um, talent or candidates, what do you find different that what it is that you look for from a non-cannabis position versus a cannabis position? So there, there's two things that are, that are the biggest differences that I've seen so far. Um, the first is that cannabis, granted on the West Coast, is, is more established. It's still only been out there for about 10 years. You know, it's still relatively new in the grand scheme. On the East Coast, most places out here have been, in, you know, had it approved medicinally or even recreationally for, you know, two or three. So the biggest difference I've seen is the um, company's willingness to bring on people without industry experience. Huh. In other industries, you're saying, are right, you know, we're a, we're a, an engineering firm, so we need people with engineering industry experience. In the cannabis space, they're taking people from retail, from hospitality, from marketing and advertising, from traditional sales. I mean, you name it. They just want good people. Which, which I really like. I mean, because right. that's the name of the game, find good people. Right. Um, the other thing that I think is the biggest glaring difference is I've never worked or recruited for an industry where so many candidates are willing to relocate for the right position. Oh. I mean, I've, I've recruited in every industry that you can possibly imagine. Uh, I've been doing it 15 years. I mean, you everything. In the cannabis space, though, I have talked to literally one candidate of all the candidates I talk to, one candidate that is not willing to relocate, and that is only because they have uh, parents who need medical care, so she wants to stay local. Okay. Everyone else is willing to relocate for the right job. They just want to be involved in the space. Right. And that might be the reason why it's 220%. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that and the money that's coming in is insane. Right. I mean, Alex and I follow you know, mergers and acquisitions in this space pretty closely. And it's every single day. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a new merger. There's a new acquisition. And these companies are huge acquisitions. There was just a $3.2 billion acquisition. Right. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's business right there. This, these are not you know, pennies that are being exchanged. Right. That, that's a huge acquisition. Absolutely. So it's, it's a lot of cool stuff happening. And it's still risky in some places because it's really not regulated and formulized yet across the world absolutely so you have these investors that are putting a lot of money into this industry keeping their fingers crossed that it's going to go in the right direction right some so. of these these mergers and acquisitions are predicated on it becoming federally legal mm -hmm. um, so it's like it, the acquisition has taken place and the valuation has been set and everything's good to go but not until it's federally legal exactly so which i think is smart mm -hmm. I mean, you got to protect yourself of course true true did you have any questions for me? I did, yes. Yeah. So what I want to get a better understanding of is um, how risk management applies to the cannabis space. I mean, where, how, do you, how does that work for you? I mean, what are your target clients and how does that uh, kind of, what's the benefits there? Sure. So when you are in the cannabis space, there are many layers that you have to make sure that you are managing the risk. So let's talk about the investors. 
when you're working with the investors, you have to make sure that they have what's called a director's and officer's policy because you want to invest, you want to uh, protect uh, those board members that are actually investing in that entity and any decisions that they make, you want to make sure that they're protected from an entity standpoint as well as personally. The other type of uh, risk management that you would have to do is you want to make sure that the dispensaries have product liability because that's the actual product that's being sold, That whether it's an edible, whether it's flour, um, you got a, a person going to a dispensary, they're purchasing it, and they, they take it in, they smoke it, however they use it, and then if something were to happen as a result of them taking that product, you want to make sure that that dispensary has product liability. Um, there's also the lawyers, the lawyers who need to get involved in the legal aspects of it. You want to make sure that their policies allow for them to be working on the uh, marijuana, um, cannabis uh, rulings. And then there's the accountants. The accountants, there's rules and regulations that they need to follow. So you want to make sure that their professional liability and their carriers are aware that they're actually working in the cannabis sector. And those are all the um, like the high level positions, but then you have the growers and the testers and the lab guys. They all need coverage for their building, for their products, their beakers, and their measurement tools. So insurance is everywhere uh, in the cannabis industry. And because of my relationships, um, I do have underwriters who do work on, on the West Coast, and they're very familiar with all the guidelines and such, so my markets are there, and that's why I'm able to help those in the cannabis industry, which is why I'm going to these events, um, so I could be an advocate for these folks. You're out here fighting the good fight. I'm fighting <laughs> a good fight. Going uphill and fighting a good fight. So... So with that, um, I want to thank you for taking the time to do the podcast thank with you. me. And uh, I'm sure we'll do another one in the future. Sounds great, Karen. Thanks again. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Risk Intelligence. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and connect on LinkedIn by doing a search on Karen Adamsbaugh.